this reading is from um, Luke chapter 10, verses 1 to 20. After this, the Lord appointed 72 others and sent them two by two ahead of him to every town and place where he was about to go. He told them, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. Go, I am sending you out like lambs among wolves. Do not take a purse or bag or sandals and do not greet anyone on the road. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will return to you. Stay there, eating and drinking, whatever they give you, for the worker deserves his wages. Do not move around from house to house. When you enter a town and are welcomed, eat what is offered to you. Heal those who are ill and tell them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But when you enter a town and are not welcomed, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town we wipe from our feet as a warning to you. Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. I will tell you, it will be more bearable on that day for Sodom than for the rest of that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethsaida. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon at the judgment day, at the judgment than for you. And for you, Capernaum, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you will go down to Hades. Whoever listens to you listens to me. Whoever rejects you rejects me, but whoever rejects me rejects him who sent me. The 72 returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. He replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. This is the word of the Lord. Thank you, Levi. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we praise you for good news that you come revealing the love of the Father to us, that you chose 12 and then 72, and then 2,000 years later, we have discovered the good news of your kingdom. As we think about sharing it tonight, send your spirit on us. Thrill us afresh, we pray, with good news, and give us courage to share it. And we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Uh, We are looking through various things in Luke's gospel, following Jesus. And tonight it's following Jesus on mission as he sends out these 72. Now, he sends all of us out to serve him in homes and schools and university and workplaces. Wherever we are, we are to serve the Lord and look for opportunities to tell people about him. But to be honest, we're not great at it. Uh, So there's stuff we've got to learn tonight. Uh, And one of the best things we can do is when there's an opportunity to share a little bit of our story. So before we get into the talk tonight, I'm going to get you to a little practical exercise. So uh, We used to do this in the evening service long ago before COVID and sometimes mix people up and get you to talk to someone. We're going to do it again tonight. We don't do it every night. Some people will love this. Some people will tell me afterwards, that was fantastic, let's do more of it. Some people will tell me afterwards wasn't going to come to the evening service, you made me do that. Anyway, just go with it tonight. I would like to encourage you, uh, in a moment, stand up, to find someone who you don't know very well, or who you don't know how they came to faith in Jesus, and tell each other how you came to faith in Jesus. Now, I hope there'll be some people here who haven't yet come to faith in Jesus. You are exploring. 
For you, this is your get out of jail free card tonight. You just have to say, I'm exploring, I'm not there yet. That's all you have to do. Uh, and, get, and get the other person to tell you more. So the idea is you're gonna stand up, find someone who you don't know the answer to the question, and tell them how you became a Christian, how you came to faith in Jesus. And if you're not a Christian, you just say, I'm not there yet, tell me more. Okay, so let's stand up, find someone you don't know. Off you go. In. <laughs> so who hasn't found anybody yet? Really? There we go. Okay, and it's just the short version, just two minutes each. If it's all been one way so far, swap over soon. You're about halfway, so you get, both get to have a chat. Looks like you're a bit more than halfway through. Looks like you've been very quick and efficient about that. One more minute. 
Right, so I'm afraid I'm going to need to butt in there. Some of you could keep going for half an hour, I know, or an hour, or an hour and a half. But do continue those conversations afterwards, particularly if you only got to the interesting bit. Now I've interrupted you. It's something we used to do a bit more of, and then with COVID, we've sort of stopped doing this a bit, though in small groups, I hope it happens more. Uh, the better we are at sharing our faith in a safe environment like this, where you can assume pretty much that most people are in favor of hearing your story about God, the easier it is to share our story with those beyond, where we're not quite sure how favorably it will be received. Uh, so I thought tonight, rather than just preaching a sermon about going out on mission, it would be useful to do... Uh, do some practical stuff. So we'll have one more practical exercise later on, but not for a bit anyway. Uh, not for a bit. And it, it won't be too scary. It'll be good. Uh, I want to look at this tonight under three headings, the harvest, the workers, and the task. Uh, Jesus says in verse two of our passage, the harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Ask the Lord of the harvest, therefore, to send out workers into his harvest field. The harvest is plentiful. Uh, the harvest in these sense is the fact that God is drawing people to know him all around the world. The Christian church has been growing all around the world for 2,000 years. Around about a third of the globe own the name of Jesus as Lord. In our country, there used to be a lot of nominal Christianity. There's not so much of that now. People, if they are Christians, say they are, and if they're not, they tend to say they're not. Uh, but all around the world... God is drawing people to him, different countries, different tribes, and he's doing it all around us. Um, often it's unlikely people God is drawing. Some of you will have just heard a story of how God met someone who was in an unlikely time and they've come to living faith in Jesus. Last week on Sunday morning, we were thinking about the story of Cornelius from Acts 10, how God sent Peter to this Roman centurion who was a seeker after God, and he and his household were gathered and Peter just had to go, and they wanted to know. Peter had no idea that God was drawing Roman soldiers to him. And God is drawing people all around the world to him. But the way he loves to do it is through you and me. Uh, he's probably drawing people in your workplace, or on your course, or in your street, or in your wider family to him. But if we never have a verbal conversation, we'll never find out and be able to make the links. Uh, there's, there was some research done a few years ago uh, that said a vast number of people in our country would be willing to come to church if someone just invited them, if we got into the conversation. There's a real openness. And that there seems to have been a shift in society. Ten years ago, there was this militant atheism around, the sort of Richard Dawkins era. That's gone really quiet now. It's not that there aren't atheists. Of course there are still. But that militant atheistic streak has gone. There's a much more openness to the things of God, an openness to spiritual things, an openness to prayer. People know that materialism does not provide all that we need or answer the deep questions within. And the harvest God is working in. The harvest is plentiful. Uh, the harvest is also urgent. Verse 4 in our passage, Jesus says, don't take a purse or bag or sandals. That's because you'll be provided for. But don't greet anyone on the road. Now, an English greeting on the road is fine. When you're walking home, you greet people, hello, hello, and that's it, it's gone. The sense of a Middle Eastern greeting is let's sit down and have a meal together and relax. It sort of kind of delay things quite a lot. And this, 
that Jesus is sending people, off you go, there's a task to do, it's urgent, don't get sidetracked along the way. Uh, I'm sure he wouldn't have bothered to say to English people, don't greet people on the road, because we just nod to each other on a good day. And uh, In fact, most of the time we don't even do that, do we, um, as we bump into people. But it's don't be sidetracked, there's an urgency to this. Jesus is sending people, and he's got a timescale he's working to. Now, there's a wider urgency around. The ultimate urgency is that one day Jesus will return and there will be a judgment. You get this in this passage as well, verses 13 to 16. Let me just read to you uh, that again. Woe to you, Chorazin, woe to you, Bethsaida, the villages that Jesus had been to. For if the miracles that were performed in you had been performed in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. So it will be more bearable for Tyre and Sidon that judgment than for you. And you, Capernaum, where Jesus did all his early miracles, will you be lifted to the heavens? No, you'll go down to Hades. So this sense that there is a judgment coming. Now we know there is. Jesus talked about a judgment often. And if there is no day of judgment, then there was no need for Jesus to go to the cross to save us from our sins. Uh, But God wants everyone to be saved. He hasn't come back yet because he's wanting more and more to come to be to living faith in him to be part of his kingdom. Uh, Peter in his old age wrote a couple of letters in 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 9 he said this the Lord is not slow keeping his promise as some understand slowness instead he's patient with you he doesn't want anyone to perish he wants everyone to come to repentance. So Jesus hasn't come back yet to give more time for people to come to faith in him. But one day he will return. And when he does, there will be a separation. He talked about this. And then it will be too late. So now it's not too late. Now is the time of sharing the good news of Jesus with everyone. And God is at work. There's a great harvest field out there. And uh, the Lord loves to use us in, in being part of that. He could just draw people to himself. But he wants to use us to do it. And it's wonderfully And it's exciting and energizing when God starts using you to be part of this. So that's the harvest. I could go on about the harvest a long time, but I won't. I want to talk about the workers. The workers, verse 2, are few. There aren't many of us. There are more of us. Well, there are probably about as many here tonight as there were 72 that Jesus sent out uh, back then 2,000 years ago. But so often in the church, we leave it to everybody else. But if you have come to the point of Jesus is Lord, you are part of his family and he wants to use you to extend his kingdom. Uh, He tells us to pray this. I wrote in my letter to the church this week, uh, I call this the other Lord's Prayer, the Lord's Prayer. We pray our Father in heaven, so on. But Jesus told us to pray this as well. So you could say this is a Lord's Prayer too. Ask the Lord of the harvest to send out workers into his harvest field. So on my phone, I have an alarm set for 10.02 each day, apart from when there's something that it would be an embarrassment for that to interrupt me. Uh, And it reminds me to pray this every day. Lord, raise up workers for your harvest field. Raise them up across the world. Raise them up across our nation. Raise them up here at St. Paul's, people to be involved with our children and young people and students and older adults and Cafe and Alpha. Raise them up. Uh, The idea is not that we come to faith and are passengers in the church, but God uses us, and we grow in our faith as he uses us. So the workers are few. The workers are also vulnerable. 
verse 3, Jesus said, Go, I'm sending you out like lambs among wolves. Now, when wolves see lambs coming, they think, Oh, good, uh, lamb dinner. Uh, you know what it feels like if you've been a Christian any length of time, where a sense of, if I'm sharing my faith, they're going to eat me alive. Uh, the most amazing thing about this story is that they went. I've always thought this is about the worst pep talk ever given by anybody. Uh, go out on mission, you're going to be like lambs among wolves, off you go. And they went. <laughs> it's extraordinary. Uh, and when they come back, there's great joy. But we go vulnerably. Now, we think uh, if we got our act together more and if the church was more impressive and if people had more respect, then we might be more confident talking about our faith. But Jesus seems to have designed things that we are vulnerable. He was vulnerable. And so are we. And actually, it's meant to be that way. That as we share our faith, there is a vulnerability about that. We're not sure how people will receive us. That shouldn't stop us doing it. It's, this is just how it is. We are vulnerable. And Jesus said, we're few. We're vulnerable. Uh, but we represent him. Verse 16, he says this. Whoever listens to you, listens to me. Whoever rejects you, rejects me. Whoever rejects me, rejects the one who sent me. When we're talking to people about our faith at all, or if people know we are Christians and we're talking to them about anything, their attitude to their, their relationship with Jesus is very tied up in their relationship with us. If they accept us, that is, Jesus says, they're accepting him. So I know a good number of people who are not Christians. Some of them are very, very favorable towards me, bizarrely so. And I'm really encouraged that actually they are drawn to the Jesus in me. Some of them have made it very clear they are not interested in the God I represent, but they're happy to spend time with me. That's very different. But we represent Jesus. St. Paul said that we sort of smell like Jesus. We have an aroma of Christ. And to some it's very attractive, and to some it's really not very attractive. And, you know, smells, uh, an attractive smell is a wonderful thing. A horrible smell is a horrible thing. The idea is that we smell of Jesus, and that as... If people are drawn to us, they're drawn to him through us. And that is how God loves to do it. He loves to draw people to himself through us. And while, we've got, while we're vulnerable, like lambs among wolves, actually we have an authority. And Jesus talked about the authority that they had, verses 17 to 19. This was at the, afterwards. Interestingly, he only told them this afterwards. At the beginning, he just said, lambs among wolves, off you go. And they went, amazing. But when they came back, they returned with joy and said, Lord, even the demons submit to us in your name. Jesus replied, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. I have given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions to overcome all the power of the enemy. Nothing will harm you. So ultimately, we are extraordinarily secure. Jesus has got us. He's put his spirit in us. He gives us his authority. And what... And when we come across other people, they will either accept or reject. But when we come across anything of the evil one, we have authority. Jesus has conquered the evil one. He defeated him when he died on the cross and rose again. And we have authority over all evil spirits. We don't need to be worried. We are very secure. One day we will die and go to be with the Lord forever. And nothing can separate us from him. 
And Jesus goes on to talk about our security in verse 20, the uh, verse at the end after Levi finished. He said, do not rejoice that the spirits submit to you. Rejoice that your names are written in heaven. This is what we are to... We, his workers, are part of his kingdom. Our names are written in heaven. We will be with him for all eternity in the new heaven and earth that God is preparing. And when, our, when we rejoice there, we can sit a bit lighter to the things here. When we haven't got it clear about our eternal destiny, that we're citizens of heaven, we start trying to build up our empires here on this earth and make sure we're looking after them all securely. And we, we're no different to anybody else. But it's as we sit lighter to the things of this world, because we're citizens of heaven, that actually we're able to speak to this world about the God who's made us. So the harvest is plentiful. There's a real need for harvest, and it's urgent. One day Jesus will come back, and people are going to go one way or the other. Uh, so there's an urgency about this. The workers, assume me, we're few. We're vulnerable, but we represent Jesus. He's given us his authority, and we actually we're very secure, even though we feel a bit vulnerable. So what about the task? How does Jesus tell us to go and do this? Well, here in this passage, he talks about finding a person of peace. Let me read to you verses 5 to 8. When you enter a house, first say, peace to this house. If someone who promotes peace is there, your peace will rest on them. If not, it will turn to you. Stay there. Eat and drink whatever they give you. The worker deserves his wages. Don't move around from house to house. Uh, when you eat a town and uh, when you enter a town and welcome, eat what's offered to you. He's lo you're looking for a person of peace, Jesus says. They're going out two by two to a new village. <clears throat> and villagers, some of the villagers would welcome them in. Stay there. Now, I think one of the mistakes that I have made and lots of clergy have made down the years is of building superficial relationships with lots of people rather than really building the deep relationships with a few. Jesus says when you go somewhere, stay there. If they stay in that house, they'll get to know their friends. They'll really share deeply with them. And when they move on, those people will have got it about Jesus. Uh, don't spread yourself too thinly. And I think this is hugely encouraging to you and me when it comes to sharing our faith. It's not our job to save everybody. Our job is to look for a person of peace who is interested in what we have to say. And as we build normal relationship with them, because they're interested, we will share Jesus with them. And because we share Jesus with them, as we get to know them, we'll get to know their friends and family as well. That's the idea. Uh, now, one of the great ways to do this is through the Alpha videos. Uh, for most of my ministry, there weren't videos on YouTube to watch and we used to do the talks. We used to gather people at church and me or someone else do the talks. Now we have these fantastic videos we watch. Any of you can watch these with a friend at home over a mug of tea or a beer or a glass of wine, whatever or whatever it is. Uh, you can sit, you can, if someone's interested, you can say, why don't you come round to my house and we'll either have a meal or get a takeaway or have tea and cake, whatever it is, and we'll watch the video and we'll talk about it. And I think it is so natural to be able to do once someone is interested. Uh, so, and actually, uh, the number of, it's one, I love our ALF courses that we have, and we have people coming to faith every term through them. But if everybody in the church was able to do this at home, 
how much more would the gospel spread than it all, everybody having to come centrally? So find a person of peace, Jesus says, build friendships. And as they, if they accept you, they accept me. Uh, the focus of what we're to do is in verse 9. Verse 9, when you go into place, Jesus says, he says this all the time. He said it to the 12, he's, it's what Jesus did. Heal the sick who are there, tell them the kingdom of God has come near. It's a double-edged thing. There's something to talk about, to preach that the kingdom of God has come. And there's something to do to care for people's practical needs, practically. Now, Jesus did this. Um, the kingdom of God is the, is the message of Jesus. Right back at the beginning, Mark 1, 14 and 15. Uh, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said, the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. That is the message we have to share. So let's just think about what that means. God's kingdom, as we read in Scripture, is a kingdom of light and joy and peace and fulfillment. Everything that spoils it has come in through sin and evil, sickness and suffering, disease, a broken relationships, death. That all spoils. But God's kingdom is a kingdom of life and joy and peace. And that was how God set up this world. But we rebelled. We went our own way, and we became estranged from God's kingdom. Jesus came back to say that God's kingdom has come within reach of every one of us, and we can be part of it. And if we're part of it, we're part of it for all eternity. But equally, people can continue to turn their back on it. And Jesus said the kingdom of God has come near. It's at hand. It's within reach. It's as if I'm living my life going this way, and God is right there just behind me. And if I turn around, he's within reach of me. None of us are very far away from God. God doesn't force people uh, to come into his kingdom. Uh, but to be part of his kingdom, we have to repent. That means to change our mind. Instead of heading a godless way, we head God's way. We repent, we turn around, and we trust this good news. Uh, and anybody who repents of living life their own way to go Jesus' way becomes part of God's kingdom. Now, in this life, it's all jumbled up. The, uh, the kingdom's broken in, but there's still suffering and death. But when Jesus returns, his kingdom will come fully. There will be no more death, no more suffering. It will just be glorious. And that is wonderful good news. And everybody you meet can be part of that. But God won't force them. That's the, that's the message of the kingdom, if you like. And Jesus preached it. And he went round uh, explaining it and demonstrating it. So, for example, Matthew 4, verse 23, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness. He demonstrated it. He sent the 12 out to do the same thing. And in our passage tonight, he sends the 72 out. Uh, this was back to verse 9 again. Lars, if we can go back a couple uh, to verse 9. Uh, where Jesus said, go and heal the sick, proclaim the kingdom. So partly there's something to say. And uh, I got you talking to each other about how you came to faith in Jesus. Um, if we had all night, I would have got you to talk to each other about what's the best thing about being a Christian. It's good to think about that. People put it different ways. Lots of people I know talk about a peace inwardly. 
however outwardly things may look good, inwardly people are often quite anxious. And when God comes in, he starts to give us his peace. For me, personally, a lot of it was about purpose. Life felt pretty aimless. And as I bowed the knee to Jesus, Lord, there was real purpose about the point of life. Some people talk about a joy, which is far deeper than a happiness. They're just a, a, uh, there's all sorts of ways. Some people talk about joining a family. There was a loneliness, and now there's a, a being part of something. Some people talk about really becoming who they are meant to be. A sense of becoming more me about it. Uh, we'll all have different ways of talking about the difference Jesus makes, but this is good news, and we need to share that. But also we need to demonstrate it in practical ways. And I think the most powerful way of all to demonstrate it is to offer to pray for someone. When someone has a need, here Jesus is talking about those who are sick, uh, but we will talk with people who will often share a need. I'm worried about my brother, granny, neighbor, colleague, myself. Now, when people share a need, because we're nice, we will say, I'm so sorry, do tell me more. But we're not always that good at saying, can I pray for you? And I want to encourage you to, when someone shares a need with you, to say, may I pray for you? They will probably say, oh, thank you very much, and they'll assume you'll go away and do it at home. But if you're in a conversation on your own, I want to encourage you to say, may I pray for you now? And they go, what? You say, it'll be very simple. If it's all right, I'd just like to lay a hand on your shoulder and pray, Heavenly Father, please show your love to my friend and help them in this situation and help them to know you love them. Amen. Something really simple. But it can be profound. People who've never had anyone pray for them before. It's a level of care that goes much deeper than anything else that can be done. Uh, and God uses that so often. So often. And Jesus says there's things to say about his kingdom, but there's things to do. Uh, so I got you talking about how you came to faith. So what I want to do is to give you another opportunity to do something practical tonight, uh, and which is to pray for someone else. So if you're feeling brave, find someone you don't know very well. If you're a bit freaked out by this, find someone you do know. Um, actually, you might not want to pray with people you do know, but uh, if you just, let's get into pairs, and I'll explain how we're going to do this. So let's, let's stand up and find, find someone, in, so find two of you, uh, if you really don't want to do this, that's fine. You don't have to, but um, I want to encourage you to do this. It's going to be very simple, and it could be very profound. So let's find someone else, someone you don't know that well. It could be someone you know a little, but if you like, just say hello and introduce yourselves. In twos, ideally. You can be a three if you like, if it's going to be safer. Okay, right, now, let, now listen, okay, now here's the instruction. Whoever of you is taller, you go first, okay? And you just share something that you'd like them to pray for. I would like you please to pray for this, okay? And then the, the other one of you, the shorter one, says, um, says, may I lay a hand on your shoulder? And ideally you say yes. 
And, that, and then, you, then you pray, Heavenly Father, please show your love to this person and help come and meet them at this point of need. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay? So, and then when you've done that, you swap over. Have a go. doesn't need to take very long. But share a need. Pray a very simple prayer for it. I'm hoping you're on the second person by now. If you're still on the first person, really need to go a bit quicker, or you may only get to do one.
We're into the last minute for this. Now, some of you will have started sharing stuff at a certain amount of depth. Do continue those conversations afterwards, and if you want to pray a bit more with each other, do. Um, what I really want to do is not just preach a sermon about theory this evening, but to get you going verbal, to show something of your faith, and just saying, may I pray for you. Uh, you will all encounter this week coming up, people sharing things of their life with you, uh, it might be just on a train somewhere, you're sitting next to someone who shares something. When the thought pops into your head, ask, may I pray for you? Please do. Please do. Every time we've reminded the church to do this, I hear stories back saying, do you know, I did that on a bus or at school or wherever. And people were really receptive. And just to offer a simple, simple prayer. You have no idea how much... Um, how profound it can be. Let me just tell you one story of someone who's a friend who lives in town. So I'll try not to give too many details so that it's, no one can pin them down. This is someone who doesn't come to this church, who has uh, always got the impression that they and their partner are not very interested in God. But they were really quite unwell, and I was round at their house. They were telling me about it. And uh, I got this thought in my head, offered to pray for them. So I said, may I pray for you? And I fully expected them to say, no, get rid of but they said, yes, all right. So I said, can I lay a hand on you and pray? And they said, yes. And they let me pray for them. Uh, and that was a while ago. Uh, it turns out I bumped into their partner in town recently, and uh, I asked how, uh, how my friend was. And uh, I said, would they be interested if I came around and I had a chat and I'd be very happy to pray for them? Oh, yes. Uh, he tells everybody you've prayed for him. And I thought, isn't that, I had no idea this was someone who I thought wasn't it, but very happy to it's the, This whole idea is if there is a person of peace, a person of peace is someone who's open to you. And if they're open to you, they're probably open to the Lord. And if you share something of Jesus with them, goodness knows how they're going to spread that word further. It's not that all of us have to find loads of people. Who is the Lord directing us to? Often as we pray for friends and family and neighbors and colleagues, God will just put people on our hearts uh, to share our lives with and as we share ourselves with them the idea is that the Lord can as it were walk over that bridge uh, we don't have to, if someone's not interested for goodness sake don't keep bashing on Jesus says move on if they're not interested just verses 10 to 12 when you enter a town and are not welcomed go into its streets and say even the dust of your town we wipe off our feet as a warning to you Yet be sure of this, the kingdom of God has come near. There's a sense of if you go somewhere and you're welcome, stay. If you go somewhere and you're not welcome, move on. Uh, and so the most helpful thing I've heard on this is in, a, in a, any conversation you've got with a friend or someone, like, sort of someone you meet, shine a little bit of God's light in there. It could be they're talking about um, the government or the news or sport, but it may just be that you're saying, what did you do yesterday? Or, you, know, you bump into people tomorrow, what did you do yesterday? They tell you. They ask you what you did yesterday. Don't tell them everything apart from church. Just say, oh, I went to church as a Christian. They might, 
They might, and they might say, oh, that's interesting or nice. They might show no interest at all. They might be interested. Um, offering, to, if shining a little bit of light, telling a bit of your story, that's interesting. That reminds me of something Jesus said. That's quite bold. Uh, but Jesus said things that were very relevant. Or may I pray for you when you offer that. If they're not interested, don't push. Keep praying in the background. If they are, then you can share a bit more. But just shine a little bit of light. You don't have to do the whole long gospel in the first go. It's find someone who's interested, who's open to you. Jesus says they're open to you, they're open to him. Shine a bit of light, offer to pray, tell a bit of your story. Uh, now, <clears throat> as I come into land, final thing, it is God's harvest. Back to verse 2. The harvest is plentiful. The works we ask the Lord of the harvest. Ultimately, Jesus our Lord is the Lord of the harvest, and it's his harvest. But he loves to use us in it, and he tells us to pray for people to be raised up. So let's pray that people would be raised up for the harvest, and let's offer ourselves to be used to be workers in his harvest field. It's not that the church has a mission and we ask God to help, it's that God is a God of mission and we join in with what he's doing. He's the Lord of the harvest. And there is no thrill like being used by the Lord to help someone else become part of his kingdom. Uh, it is just the most wonderful, wonderful thing. Uh, so we're going to pray. Would you stand, Evan and the band, would you come back ready to lead us in our last song? Uh, the last song we're going to sing will be Oceans. You call us out beyond our comfort zone. But it's as we go beyond our comfort zone uh, that we depend on God. And as we depend on God, we find he's faithful. He is there. He goes before us. He goes with us. He comes after us. Let's just be still for a minute. Dear Lord Jesus, Lord of the harvest, we bow in your presence. We thank you for those who shared the good news of your love with us. Parents, Sunday school teachers, friends folks we've met at church. We thank you that the harvest is plentiful, that you are working in people all around the world, many of whom we've no idea about. Many of them are friends and colleagues and neighbours. We pray, <clears throat> dear Lord of the harvest, that you would raise up workers for your harvest field, some who go into full-time church ministry, but people are going to every area. Raise up people in politics, how we need good people in government. Raise up people in the media. Raise up people in schools and hospitals. Raise up people in business and commerce. Raise up people who go into homes to do practical tasks, who can just chat. Lord, we pray, raise up workers and use us. Come, Holy Spirit, and fill us afresh. And as we go through this coming week, if you want us to offer to pray, will you put that thought in our head? If you want us to share something of our story, may someone ask us a question really bluntly and obviously so we know we're meant to say something. But use us, fill us with your spirit. Let's just carry on being still for a moment. The Lord may want to put particular people on your mind just to pray for or spend time with. 
listen up for whoever the Lord might put there. So you're praying before the service. Someone sensed the Lord asking this question of us tonight. How much are you willing to open yourself up to me? Well, are you willing to open yourself up enough to the Lord for him to fill you and use you through this coming week? If you are, ask him to fill you and to use you. Someone else had a picture of a child holding a red helium balloon. Uh, You might know that that's specifically for you for a reason, in which case we'd love to pray for you. But it reminded me that the helium in the balloon holds it up. And God, by his spirit, fills us and holds us up. We're meant to be, as it were, buoyant with his spirit. So come, Holy Spirit, and fill us. And as we sing your praise, as we offer ourselves, fill us afresh, and use us, we pray. For Jesus' sake. Amen. Let's sing together.